Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Vendo Velocity. I have a new team member on the call with me today, Jamie Grossman. So very excited for Jamie to finally be joining our podcast here. I believe Jamie's been here for a little over a year now, right? Jamie, has it been a year already? Yeah, just over a year. I was just thinking about it. The year, it either feels like multiple years or just <laughs> a couple weeks. Like it could be either. But I'm really yeah, very excited to be here. Yeah, we are very excited to have Jamie here to really dive into all things DSP, Amazon ad updates. Um, Jamie is on our Amazon advertising team here and um, helps to lead the DSP initiative, so plays a larger role for our business there. So really excited to dive in. But Jamie, if you can go ahead and give yourself a bit of a brief introduction outside of what I just introduced you as, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm Jamie Grossman. I'm one of the PPC specialists at Vendo, as well as one of the DSP specialists. Um, it's been you know, kind of a fun ride seeing the growth that we've seen on the DSP side here. But, you know, there's still so much more to learn. They're constantly updating the DSP console with new initiatives and new strategies. So really interesting to see where we'll head, you know, down the line. But for now, it, it's been a fun ride and I'm excited to dive a little bit deeper into you know DSP in general. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and dive on into it. Um, but taking a step back, Jamie, I think DSP has obviously become a much larger topic of conversation just within the past few years. Also um, with AMC being such a larger conversation, DSP seems more intriguing. So if we could just um, really zoom out for our audience who might not be familiar with DSP or maybe hasn't um, run DSP in the past. Can you just give a rundown of how brands can benefit from DSP and what it really is? Yeah, absolutely. So DSP is essentially a full funnel approach to advertising using audience-based targeting. So at Vendo, the way we like to do it is we'll you know create two packages, one for the mid-funnel, which we call consideration package, the lower funnel, which we call the conversion package. Now, typically what we'd like to do is we start with a baseline, uh, really putting majority of the budget, I'd say about 60 to 70% towards bottom of funnel, really just to get kind of that strong foundation um, from a ROAS perspective. And bottom of funnel, that's going to be targeting people who have either viewed our products or purchased, um, as well as doing some cross-promotion and retention uh, targeting as well. It's really kind of the branded side of DSP. So we're using our own branded audiences, um, just kind of trying to get people to stay within our lower funnel, um, you know, hit people who have clicked on some of our products, show them a sponsored display ad uh, or standard display ad, and really kind of, you know, get that repeat purchase rate going up, uh, as well as improving that lifetime value order. So that's kind of how the bottom of funnel works. Once we establish a good foundation there, we kind of look into the mid funnel, which is really just in-market target targeting, lifestyle targeting, demographic targeting, and negating any brand purchasers. So this package is optimized for new to brand purchases. Um, and typically what we see is the conversion rates, obviously a lot lower than the conversion package, but the whole idea here is to kind of generate clicks and build your views audience, which we then retarget within the conversion package. So it kind of all works together from top to bottom. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's very helpful for some brands, especially 
let's say for example, you have a brand that has quite a few repeat purchasables, but their repeat purchase rate is not where they want them to be. Through DSP, we can kind of, you know, isolate the correct time frame where people would repeat purchase um, and then continue to hit them with ads. And we have seen quite a bit of success there. Um, on the other hand, if you're looking to build kind of your new brand audience, DSP is also a really good avenue to do that through. Yeah, no, those are all great points there. And uh, Jamie, if you could speak a little bit about some of the hesitancy that we've received um, from brands that have might have just joined our pipeline is that, oh, DSP's minimum fees are too expensive. I don't want to participate because of that. Um, can you kind of speak about how Vendo unlocks um, different minimums there per se? Yeah, so, so Vendo, we do... You know, so DSP, you can do it through self-service or managed service. And typically with managed service, um, the fees are a lot more expensive. The way Vendo does it is we charge kind of a small percentage of spend. Um, and it really depends on how much you're spending. So if you're spending under 5K, those fees are going to be a lot lower. And then obviously, once we get into those higher ranges, like 15 or 25K, even above 25K, those fees do go up to, let's say, 15 or 20%. Um, but it is a lot more of a cheaper option for us. And another thing, just through self-service, we have a lot more to play with. When you do managed service, Amazon kind of handles everything and they do use their kind of basic audiences. Through self-service, we can create our own custom audiences and really kind of utilize DSP to its fullest with all the different strategies that are available there. And then what are your thoughts overall on running sponsored display versus DSP? Would you recommend running those both in tandem or is there a specific approach um, that you are recommending to brands? I, I personally recommend that if you're going to be spending on display, majority of that money should go towards DSP. And for a couple of reasons, number one, just the customer customability of the DSP audiences. So through sponsored display, you can look at, let's say, a product purchase look back window, but it's very fixed. Through DSP, we can actually negate certain timeframes, target certain timeframes, and really narrow down that like prime spot for a repeat purchase. Um, you know, we can also just add in kind of refinements to the audience as well. So if we're looking for people who are in market for, let's say, protein powder, have a healthy lifestyle and maybe are new to Amazon, right? We can target, we can create an audience based of all of those parameters right there. So it is a lot more specific and granular on DSP. That's why I do recommend, you know, majority of that sponsored display budget should be towards DSP. However, I wouldn't say it affects DSP too much if we do have some, you know, PPC SD running. Um, but again, I think really the majority should be towards DSP. Absolutely. And then where do these ads serve, Jamie? If you're on Amazon or off Amazon, where can you find them? Yeah. So they show up, um, they're banner ads. So oftentimes you'll see them on the left side of the screen, sometimes a banner right at the top above an HSA ad. On the product detail pages, typically under the buy box, um, and then a few other placements as well. But wherever you see those sponsored display ads, that's where your DSP ads are showing up, as well as off Amazon, which is actually another kind of big pro to doing that instead of just sponsored display is we'll also be showing up on thousands of domains, thousands of websites, um, which really can help with that brand awareness. 
Absolutely. And then just talking budgets specifically, I know this is a big question that we get. How much of the total advertising budget would you recommend goes to DSP versus, let's say, sponsored ads? Got it. Yeah. So we typically recommend about five to 10% of total revenue. Uh, now, it is obviously dependent on the brand, how much they're willing to spend, how much revenue they're actually driving. Um, but typically what we recommend is we start off with, you know, 5% just as a test. Uh, and once we can get that baseline of a strong ROAS through the conversion package, which I mentioned earlier, then we can kind of scale up, invest more into mid funnel, and then hopefully down the line into top of funnel through like STV or connected TV, for example. No, that's a great point there. And then just speaking a little bit about what you're talking about in terms of ROAS, do you recommend um, looking at ROAS as your kind of defining metric for how these DSP per campaigns are performing? Um, what's really the benchmark? Is it ROAS? Is it Tacos? What are the differences there? Right. So on DSP specifically, we look at two main metrics. In the conversion package, we are focused on ROAS because, you know, again, the whole point there is really just to drive conversions. Um when we're looking at the consideration package, we're not looking at ROAS. What we're really looking at is detail page view rate, click-through rate, and average impression frequency. So on that note, with average impression frequency, what we typically like to do is have a higher one for the consideration package. Because again, these are all new to brand customers, and you know, we find it helpful that when people are exposed to the ad more often, they're more likely to click and then get into kind of that lower funnel. So those are the three main metrics for consideration. But in terms of ROAS, that's really just looking at it from the conversion package perspective. Um, Got it. Um, are you able yeah. to see subscribe and save um, subscriptions or any sort of details within the DSP? Yeah, so we can see how many subscriptions are attributed to a DSP ad. Um, it's not the most granular, I would say, that metric on the DSP side. So we don't focus on that too much unless, you know, you do have a brand that does have kind of those pretty frequent repeat purchasable products. Um, so that, that would be a time where we kind of look at that. But otherwise, you know, really just looking at ROAS on that side. Perfect. And then can you just dive into a little bit of how the attribution specifically works? Um, for DSP, is that similar to sponsored ads or how is how does it differ if so? Right. So DSP actually has quite a long attribution window. So it's about 14 days and it works similar to sponsored sponsored ads where in the sense that it's lost touch attribution, but a click triumphs uh, an impression. Right. So works the same in that, in that sense. It is quite difficult with DSP, I will say. Just because of that long attribution window, oftentimes you don't get the full picture until two weeks later. So it is more of a patient process, I would say, than sponsored display. But otherwise, it's very similar in the way that attribution works. So do you believe that generally like a month or so is enough of a test or would you recommend something longer? Yeah, when we initially launch, typically we'll wait anywhere between 14 to 21 days. So two to three weeks. Um, just to kind of gather that initial data, but you are really going to need a full month's worth of running to really understand where you're coming at. And then from there, your optimizations will be a lot more informed, right? 
Absolutely. No, that's a great point. So as you guys can see, um, Jamie does have a lot of expertise specifically around DSP. So for those of you who might not be as familiar with it, hopefully that helps there. We want to shift gears a little bit to some of the new releases um, pertaining to both Amazon ads and to DSP. So first and foremost, one that has been released in the last week or so is vertical video. So Amazon is now allowing you to run vertical video ads, which is great because a lot of the time brands have to repurpose um, or really resize their current content to try to make it work for video ads on Amazon. Now, this is in beta for a lot of brands. We haven't seen it be released yet, but we are very excited by this because that just means additional content that you can push out without having to resize it. A lot of what will work on social media in the form of vertical video will be able to test on Amazon. So um, just more content at our fingertips here and hopefully better results um, on the Amazon side too. And then Jamie, a few other things related to ads. Let's talk through interactive video while we're on the topic of video um, on STV campaigns. Can you give our audience a bit of an update there? Yeah, yeah. So it's actually a relatively new feature. So I don't have too much data on kind of the difference between the two because we've only really started testing it out now. Um, but DSP has allowed us to run interactive videos on our streaming TV ads, uh, which I think is pretty exciting because, as you know, STV, it is top of funnel. So typically we don't see a lot of conversions come through attributed directly from the STV campaigns. We do see that in other ways that are a bit more indirect, but I think through interactive video, what we can do is actually add QR codes. We can add shop now buttons to our streaming TV ads. So essentially making them clickable, um, which allows us to kind of more see the direct impact of our streaming TV ads. So very exciting there. We're testing that out right now with a couple brands and kind of excited to see how that differs relative to a regular streaming TV ad. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point there. Um, just better engagement from the customer, hopefully, which yeah. will lead to better results. Um, and then also a few new <laughs> formats related to the ads, uh, specifically around responsive e-commerce ads. Can you go through that, Jamie? Yeah, so responsive e-commerce um, those are typically the ads that we use the most through DSP. They do have the highest conversion rate. Um, and what's nice about them is um, they're automatically customizable to whether you have deals running or you know coupons. That's kind of all automated through Amazon. It's ASIN based. So we do typically focus you know majority of our creatives on responsive e-commerce. But what they've actually added recently is just a bit more customizability or customization, I mean. So for example, previously, if we wanted to customize our REC ads, we would have to add a logo and a headline, and we would need both of those in order to make them custom. Um, but now what we can actually do is kind of do individual customization there. So we can just add a logo, we can just add a headline, and Amazon have also just added disclaimers. Um, so I think that's pretty interesting and kind of helpful for some brands where they might need that. Um, but essentially what this is, the RC is staying the same, but we just have a lot more freedom in terms of how we want to customize it, which is always great. Finally, because those were pretty yeah. basic before. So that is great. Yeah. Um, and I do recommend customizing your RECs. <laughs> it just looks better. Typically the click-through rate improves and, you know, it, it gives a, it gives it a better sense of professionalism in my opinion. 
Absolutely. No, that's a great point there. Um, and then Jamie, my last question is you've spoken a lot about new to brand retargeting, et cetera. Are there specific periods in which maybe DSP would make more sense for a brand or is an always on approach something that you would lean on more heavily? Yeah. So again, I think this depends on the brand. If your brand is not necessarily, let's say tacos focused, uh, not necessarily profitability focused and are looking to grow, I'd recommend DSP as an always on strategy. If it's the opposite, if they're a bit more time on budget, what I would recommend is launching DSP a month before kind of these tentpole events. So let's say summer prime, uh, typically in the summer, right, we'll kind of launch a month before then, really invest into our consideration package, kind of drive that brand awareness. And then for the event, you've kind of created this whole this larger audience pool, which then you can retarget after the event. So I definitely think if you want to be a bit picky about it, choose those big events because, you know, the retargeting capabilities posts, let's say, you know, Summer Prime, for example, that we can hit anyone who viewed or purchased from Summer Prime. So I think there's a huge benefit there. If not, typically DSP, we do see an improvement in conversion rates across sponsored products ads. So if you have the budget, I do recommend it as an always on strategy as well. No, those are all great points for sure. So you heard it here from Jamie, um, depending yeah. on which bucket your brand falls into, probably worth exploring an always on approach. But if you are tighter on budget, then at least test DSP for all of these great benefits that Jamie spoke about here. Um, but Jamie, if you could leave our viewers with one last parting advice in terms of maximizing their DSP campaigns. Um, what would you say to them? One piece of advice. It's hard to choose one. <laughs> um, I would say just really understand your audience. Um, make use of the negative targeting because that's something unique to DSP. Um, and yeah, no, I, I think I think that's really the big thing. If you understand your audience, you understand what kind of market they fall in, what kind of lifestyle they fall in, it's a lot easier to run DSP. Um, so I would definitely say just understand your audience to the best of your ability. Use the data in terms of what window you want for purchase retargeting and then also for views retargeting as well because typically there is that prime spot where you know a customer might have viewed an ad yesterday and then, then they'll be more likely to purchase right after. So you know, use the data, understand your audience. That, that would be my advice. It's all about the data. Absolutely. Well, thank data. you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie, for joining us today. We'll be sure to have you back in the second half of the year because I'm sure there will be many more DSP updates to come. Of course, um, there always is. <laughs> <laughs> of course, but appreciate you joining today. And we will see you all next Thursday on Venda Velocity. Thanks, everyone. Awesome. Thank you.